Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners. What's going on, y'all? This is Mega Rand, and I'm back with another episode of Matt Mania from the road, which has become my second home. I guess that would make sense. But uh, I've been traveling a lot right now. I'm sitting in the living room of a good friend of mine in 80 of Dual Core. I am in Austin, Texas, about to head out to San Antonio to do some rapping and some rap shows with myself, MC Lars. And previously mentioned dual core. So I uh, just wanted to get started. This is an actually pretty meaty episode, so I won't talk too long in the intro. But um, just wanted to thank you all for listening. Um, getting ready for WrestleMania season. Things are rolling along. Um, and this is an episode all about some classic history. Not all classic, but a lot of classic history. Uh, the history of the European title. So myself and special guest Kenny Herzog, who is a writer for Rolling Stone and several other great spots, he is going to offer his two cents on what we think are the best European champions and go from there. It's an interesting choice, and uh, we went through some some pretty good names, you know, guys who don't get a whole lot of chance to shine. So it's a fun episode, and I want to thank him for stopping by and doing it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and for starring us and all those good things and leaving reviews on iTunes. Um, so I'm working on this Matt Mania album, as you know. As of this recording, I only have two more to go because today's release, since it is a Monday, was Jake the Snake featuring my homie Doug Funny. Uh, the next one will be, well, I can tell you what it is. It's a Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family track. I'm really proud of that. Uh, last week's track was Triple H, and the uh, I want to, of course, always thank What Culture for dropping the exclusives on Mondays. And the consensus, and I never read comments, but this time I did because I'm not gonna lie, I was a little meh on the on this song. Not just because I didn't think it was a great song, but it's Triple H, a guy that a lot of you know smart internet fans don't have a lot of good things to say about. So. I knew that this this song was probably going to get it the worst of any of them. So, and uh, yeah, I was right. People hated it. Not necessarily hated this song, but, you know, again, they hate Triple H. So anything about them, it's, they're probably going to hate. It'd be like if I did a Roman Reigns song, you know, no one would get into it. Because the Internet, you know, people believe that the Internet's real life. And, uh, and it's not, man. And I learned that both in the positive and in the negative. You know, when when you're surrounded by nothing but 
positive internet comments, you believe that everybody likes you. And then you go into a place where you're there are real people and they may not like you. And the other way around, people on the internet may absolutely hate you, but then there's a lot of people in real life who actually enjoy you. So don't let internet hype or whatever the opposite of hype, hate, uh, get the best of you. That's today's lesson. Uh, just came from South by Southwest, had a blast. Thank you, everyone, for coming out to the shows out there. Um, it is the ninth year that we've done the Nerdcore Showcase. I haven't done all nine, but so next year will be 10. That's crazy. Nerdcore's 10 years old. That's wild. Well, at least in the eyes of South by Southwest, that's pretty cool. But um, I had a blast. I played late. I played at 1.30 a.m., well, 1.15 and I was really worried about there not being any people there, but there were plenty of people there, and uh, including some of my, you know, special friends and homies that came out, you know, like some fellow artists who came to support. So I always appreciate that. So it was a packed house, man. I got a chance to have a whole lot of fun. Even got a little emotional up there, just a little bit. But anyway, said I wasn't going to talk too much. Uh, thank you for supporting Matt Mania. Go to mattmania.net. You can grab any of those releases. Get the new... I would play the Jake the Snake track, but you've probably heard it. So at this point, I'm not going to play it. Well, I'll play a little bit of it. And then I'm out of here. All right, guys. I'm Mega Ran. This is Matt Mania. We're talking European title with Kenny Herzog. I'll see you in a minute. Welcome to the pit. With a Aurelius Smith, who will take you on a journey with his various gifts. Spoke softly and carried a big snake. Traveling state to state, training hard to get great. Yeah, sharp mic skills and big feuds. Steamboat Savage, Rick Rude. Perfect heel, even managed to earn your respect while they would get booed. But it's funny why you eating and the money and the legion. The fans are all screaming till it comes to completion. And they change like the seasons and you want to be the one that they believe in. But you got to exercise those demons. It's hard fighting the vices and trying to be righteous. Realizing you priceless. Fall seven times, get up eight. Don't ever underestimate the survival instincts of the snake. Need to us in the ring. Steady cooking on the mic. Hook that front face lock. Then you looking at the lights. He just move us in the ring. Steady cooking on the mic. Hook that front face lock. Yeah, then you looking at the lights. He's the best, the snake will always rule. And as far as time, let me be the coward, alright? Let me do it, because I am the man. Here we go. Hey everybody, this is Mega Rand here with another exciting, action-packed, slobber knocker of an episode of Matt Mania. Today. Going back in history, we are talking about one of the lesser known or heralded titles in the WWF, WWE, uh, and it is the European title. This is a title that was created for, well, we'll tell you why it's created when we get into it, and some of the memorable guys and memorable matches in that division. But first, I have to introduce my special guest, Kenny Herzog is here. Kenny, are you there? I am, and I am special. You are special, <laughs> especially after all that we went through to make this happen. You're special. It was, uh, yeah, it was a real saga. It was, a, it was a, an epic quest to get <laughs> on the phone with each other. Man, yeah, yeah. Maybe one day a book will be written about that epic quest. That uh, <laughs> I'd read it. Well, maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> anyway, so Kenny, real quick, tell the people who you are, what you do, why you do it. And uh, what makes you so awesome? Wow. Um, 
well, I'm no Miz, but I'd like to think I have some awesome qualities. Uh, well, I'm Kenny Herzog. I am a, uh, among other things, but for the purposes of being on this podcast, a wrestling beat reporter, you might say, for Rolling Stone. Um, and I also contribute wrestling-related content to Men's Journal and anyone else that will let me, in addition to my other work. And you can uh, also find me on Twitter at Kenny Herzog if you like. And I would say that I am um, not, I'm not awesome, but I'm fine. <laughs> and um, I have decent hair for a man my age. And that's really all I can, all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. So Kenny, just a little bit of connection to myself. I read your articles on Rolling Stone and uh, other places. And you talked about the best and worst of the year and i think that was when i really got a hold of and really started putting a name to the work that you were doing you have the wrestlers of the year and uh, you remember who you gave wrestler of the year to for 2015 right i believe it was the booty day or, yes. oh sorry new day <laughs> new day yeah. uh, so i absolutely agree they have made the uh they've made wwe programming must watch tv while they're on so it's always Always an entertaining moment. And, I mean, seeing them go toe-to-toe with The Rock might have been my moment of the year. And uh, there wasn't even any wrestling involved in it. So I think uh, that, that's, uh, that's very telling. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan. So I, um, once I saw that, I said, not only is this guy, like, you know, a good writer, but he uh-huh. knows his stuff. And uh, that is what kind of let me know that this, you were a guy that I needed to have on the podcast. So I want to thank you for that. And your great contributions. Now. Wow. Thank you. Uh, no problem, man. All right. So now let's get into the nitty gritty. What's your background on wrestling? Like what makes you the guy that should be talking and writing about wrestling? Like what's your history? Where do you come from? Um, well, I mean, in terms of sort of wrestling fan cred, I guess, um, uh, you know, I've like many people my age, which is to say I'm, uh, I'm 36 years old mm-hmm. and I grew up obsessed with WWE and also concurrently, um, NWA and AWA. Um, although th- that, that was when I started to get a sense of how to distinguish my passion for the big spectacle of WWE from stuff that felt somehow a little more um, on the fringes or like I discovered some weird UHF frequency. Mm. And, uh, I was, yeah, pretty well obsessed with all that stuff, you know, from the time I was four, maybe I would say four or five. I mean, Hulkamania was in full swing and the whole deal. And uh, I kept up with it pretty well until um, you know, sort of the high school years got preoccupied with other stuff, whatever that might be. And, and then, you know, when the Attitude Era started, I was a freshman in college and it was pretty easy for me to pick back up. I, there was only maybe a four or five year gap from where I had sort of fallen off. And really, I haven't dropped off too much since. And I like to use my platform um, in journalism to write about anything I love and, and, any, and in a way it takes it sort of seriously, but 
has fun with it when necessary. And I was dying to do wrestling content forever. And, um, you know, I did here and there. And then finally, yeah, I, I struck up a partnership with uh, the folks at, uh, you know, uh, Rolling Stone. And uh, we've got a good thing going here. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd have to agree with that. All right. So sounds like you and me, you know, we're around the same age and we've come into it around the same time. I can still recall the same thing I was talking about on a previous podcast about finding UWF on some weird channel frequency, like between two different channels in like 60s or 70s or something on my old TV and uh, getting into Dr. Def Steve Williams and like Ted DiBiase, you know, as a huge face and um, the Freebirds and all that stuff. And just really being a big fan of the action with Jim Ross calling it. And um, that was that was when I really got into it. So NWA, of course, was huge. And then, you know, with the, the WWF, the, the pageantry, I guess, of the WWF, and with it being on TV on Saturday Night's Main Event, things like that oh. got me got me going, you know. Saturday so. Night's Main Event, that was, that was, that was, whew. I mean, I had to go to Hebrew school on Sunday morning. So I'd had my, I wasn't allowed to stay up late enough to watch it. My parents would, you know, would VHS it for me, and then I'd have to go to Hebrew school and painfully sit through two hours of Hebrew school, knowing what was waiting for me at home, which was <laughs> Saturday night main event. Fortunately, that was in, you know, that was pre-spoiler era, so it's not like anyone else had the results. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, those were the days, man. Like, um, I, I clearly remember sitting up late at night watching those Saturday night's main event. And uh, just really loving it. A lot of a lot of great stuff happened. So I feel like that was kind of what I guess Raw is now, where a lot of big things would happen that would lead into like either WrestleManias or lead you to come back the next day. Like huge storyline bits happened. So it wasn't like a house show that was just on TV. You know, these were like really big shows where major storylines advanced and things. So that I really enjoyed about it because you, you literally couldn't miss it because something big could happen, you know? It was, it, was the, for, it was the only time, if you were like me and your parents never in a million years going to pay for, you know, something on pay-per-view, it was the only opportunity you could witness a title changing hands live. And that was like, I, I, I mean, I take for granted wrestling fans in general, take for granted or don't know what they have. The fact that, you know, you just see sort of um, a guy like Roman Reigns win the title on Raw, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, the exclusive province of pay-per-views of Saturday Night Main Event, as you know. Oh, absolutely. All right, so we're going to jump right on into our topic, which is the European title. The European Championship started in 1997 when the British Bulldog became the first champ after winning a tournament that was held over several shows overseas in Germany, culminating in a finals victory over the late, great Owen Hart. Upon winning the belt, later, Shawn Michaels begins a feud with the British Bulldog, and Michaels took that and became the, later on, the first Grand Slam champion, and the only wrestler to have the title, like the world title, as well as the European title at the same time. Mm. Now, what was cool about it later on is that um, after winning the title, a lot of guys, well, only a couple, mainly one that I remember is D'Lo Brown, would... uh then take the concept of being a European champion and then take it literally and then uh, then become being billed from different parts of Europe every time they came out to wrestle. I remember that being a really fun part of it. We talked about the hardcore title on another episode, and um, I don't know if you remember when Crash Holly would win 
the title and then uh, claimed that he was a super heavyweight. And uh, and they would uh, announce his weight as like 400 pounds and things like that. He'd come out with the scale and things like that. So I enjoyed I enjoyed that, that they would, you know, kind of live the, the gimmick of the title. I thought that that was cool. You remember those times, right? The scale was great. That was like that was sort of around the time of uh, WrestleMania 2000, I think. Mm-hmm. It was. Oh, man. I think they had a that was when the 24/7 rule was instituted and they had like a giant battle royal where the title changed like 20 times in a match. Uh, yeah, Midian at one point uh, or not Midian was a this or whatever he was going by, who the hell knows. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, and several other people uh, yeah in the in the course of that match, but I digress. You mentioned Midian and that's funny because the belt was retired in 1999 by the then champ Shane O'Mac, Shane McMahon who wanted to retire as an undefeated champ. Shane then wound up reintroducing it because Midian found it in his bag and then uh, put it on and became the European champion. I don't know if you remember that. Um, I I actually don't recall that, and I even am realizing I'm even mixing up my um, Ministry of Darkness, future Ministry of Darkness members by their monikers, obviously, the sort of Midian and Midian obviously being two separate people, but I do not remember that specific um, resurrection. That's pretty years. funny. I think um, they were just coming to the arena and Midian's like, oh man, I need a belt to hold my pants up. And uh, Shane's like, you know, I think there's a belt in my bag. And he's like, oh, okay. And he goes to the belt, the bag and finds the European championship. And he's like, oh, okay. And he uses that. And then he becomes the champion. Because as you know, the rules in wrestling change week to week. Um, oh, only, I, only in wrestling would an executive covet what, the, what the, his, you know, lesser employees have. And, and I mean, that's, you know, just the, <laughs> what they were doing at the time. It's a really good point. Like, why, why does the boss want what the, what the employees have when they're the boss? It's, it's so perfectly obnoxious. because they can you know it's it's because they can anyway so we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty and go through the top 10 european champions in our opinion of all time if you disagree that's cool that's why it's our opinion uh we'll be back in a second though i'm going to give a quick message from who knows who but we'll see in a minute uh it's matt mania special guest kenny herzog talking european championship See you in a sec. Hey, party people, it's Kate Murdoch here. And I want to talk to you about something real fresh, real new that myself and Mega Ran are doing now. And it involves you, the fans. Myself and Mega Ran just launched a Patreon, a monthly way for you all to subscribe to us and what we do. For as little as one buck a month, you'll get free exclusive downloads, a guaranteed song a month. And if you pledge at the $10 level, you'll get a free project a month, whether it be something we do together, whether it's something solo, a side project that I engineer or produce is guaranteed exclusive for you Patreon supporters. So if you really like what we do, then this is the time to get down and join us. We are trying to bring back that Nintendo Fun Club vibe because this is essentially a fan club for the real fans. So check it out. Patreon.com slash bits and rhymes. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash bits and rhymes. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Good comments from Test. I know Steve Blackman, there's something you have to say. You bet your answer is... Shamrock, it's real simple. I'll step into your world, the lion's den, if you step into mine, and that is weapons all around the cage, and anyone bad enough to get one can use it. 
So, this way, this thing's got to end one way or another. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Mega Ran, and this is another episode of Matt Mania, a wrestling and rap and all kinds of other things podcast. Today, we're talking about the European title, a short-lived title in the WWF and E's history. But these 10 people made it special. So, me and my special guest, Kenny Herzog, are going to talk about the top guys. Now, in no particular order, we came up with a list just based on a couple of different factors, mostly accomplishments and, and memories. And this is the list. All right. I got RVD. RVD is the last winner of the European Championship. He, uh, I think he unified it with the hardcore title or the, the, which, no, no, it was also merged with the intercontinental title. So you were then a Eurocontinental champion or something like that. But that, that wasn't official. That was just a thing that they said. Well, uh, it basically absorbs it at that point because of, I never, I just want to say I never understood how there's a European championship in addition to an intercontinental championship because then the intercontinental championship is sort of, it's implied that now it only covers six continents, I guess. <laughs> you know, I just didn't, I mean, that's a weird thing. I used to think like, okay, well maybe this is a belt that's only defended in Europe, you know, which would make sense to me, I guess, you know, like they had a U.S. title. So I thought only, you know, only you would have matches and it was like the Europeans world title because what they did, and I'll get to it a little later, when Shawn Michaels won it, he won it in pretty, pretty grand fashion. There was a pay-per-view overseas where he beat the Bulldog in Birmingham at one night only. And I watched that match and it was a lot of cheating. This is when like the heat was at its absolute highest for Shawn Michaels. I mean, he had Triple H come out, China come out, Rick Rude, like everyone just cheats him over and over again. And uh, the Bulldog's wife is in the front row and she's watching him get beat down. I mean, it was just like crazy. And they throw a bunch of garbage in the ring. Like it's, it's insane. Like I'm surprised Shawn Michaels got out of there. Okay. Like the heat was at an all time high at that time. And, uh, and they really, really did a good job of making Shawn Michaels uh, a really hated guy. To to invoke the late Glenn Fry, the heat was on. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Okay. So RVD, historically significant by being the last champion to absorb the title and um, had some cool matches in there. So RVD, would you put him in your top? Does he go on to the top of European champions? Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I, you know, I, I sentimentally, I just do associate the title in a vacuum with, with a few particular individuals that we'll get around to. And RVD kind of was the, as is evident in being the last winner kind of, um, represented the, uh, the belt sort of final, uh, you know, final gasps, but, but it was elemental in him transitioning into being a top, you know, main event guy in the WWE. So maybe, maybe for, for that reason, maybe because it was very important for his ascent, I will, I, it carried some weight that, you know, that was, you know, that he had a run with it. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I can't necessarily say his matches were, you know, the, the best or my favorite memories of that title, but, symbolically i think that he deserves a spot for being the last champion so all right rvd moves on to the next round 
The next guy I have here is Shane McMahon. Now, I don't know if you remember, but his feuds with X-Pac were pretty entertaining. Yeah. Him doing the Brock on Buster and all that stuff. Uh, just basically stealing everything from X-Pac. Like, I, I, I had a great time watching those feuds. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on Shane? But there's Let's one see. note. The one note about Shane is that, as I mentioned earlier, he gave the title away because he wanted to retire as an undefeated champ. So, he wasn't a fighting champ. Shane took... <laughs> he was a better hardcore champion than he was a European champion. Absolutely, I agree. Um, so, for that reason, I'm going to probably say Shane doesn't go into my top 10 but what do you say is this a um can you curse on this podcast yeah absolutely yeah so fuck you shane (laughs) shane mcmahon yeah i I mentioned him a lot in the hardcore title episode so for that reason shane you can't win them all and uh he's running a business in china somewhere and uh so i'm sure he won't mind that he's not in on the list peace shane and not general sense fuck you just like in terms of your need to you know, endure on this list. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Kurt Angle had a one-time reign of 54 days. He beat Val Venus. He unified the Euro and the IC belts, became that second Euro continental champion, and then lost both belts at WrestleMania 2000 without even being pinned. Um, this guy, you know, Kurt Angle is the legend. And uh, this was just merely a stepping stone for him. Um, he pulled off this title within his first, like, three months in the company, uh, then went on to the IC title, then went on to the world title all in a year. So it was, if the, if the Euro title was supposed to be a stepping stone title, then, you know, he's probably the best example of that working out to the best. Um, so again, Kurt Angle's European championship time was kind of overshadowed by him winning the IC belt, but, uh, and especially with it being so close together. But uh, what are your opinions on Angle? I mean, I think it's all fairly astute, and it reminds me of how, you know, you can see that perhaps for Kevin Owens, having an early opportunity to win the Intercontinental belt is just an appetizer for him being, you know, that main event guy within within the calendar year. Um, not, to, not in any way to diminish uh, the prestige of the Intercontinental belt. Um, yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, Kurt Angle, you, you know, you remember him at this point more as an actual... Um, you know, world heavyweight champion, and as a, uh, a you know guy who was groundbreaking, coming in as an Olympiad, and um, and and adapting to having the sense of humor he had, and so I agree. I don't I don't know that he needs to uh, move on to the next bracket here. Well, Kurt Angle, you're out of there. It's true. It's true. Now I will say, you know, he's one of my favorite personalities probably ever in WWE history, but. I agree. He doesn't necessarily have to be here at this point. So that was just a minor, uh, minor jump, minor portion of his uh, great career. Now, X-Pac is my next guy. X-Pac is a two-time champion uh, with a 134-day combined reign. Has some great feuds with Shane. Has some uh, great feuds with D'Lo Brown. And uh, I thought brought a lot of, you know, interesting matches and a cool element to the European title. So, your opinions on X-Pac in this tournament. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that, you know, the fact that he lost it to Shane, it kind of tarnishes its, his, his association to it somewhat because that's when it started, the European title started to become a um, little more of a farce, you know, something more akin to the hardcore title. Um, it actually felt, you know, during some of X, a couple of um, 
or during his lengthy reigns and, and during Delo's reigns, it felt like, okay, this is, you know, this maybe gives you some actual credibility to have the title. But I, I to me, Xbox has to move on in the conversation just because this was an opportunity for him to transcend his sort of, you know, cruiserweight persona um, and, and really solidify himself in, in, in as a, uh, the upper tier of the mid card, as it were. Absolutely. Uh, big fan of X-Pac, at least at the time I was, you know, really into what he did. He brought a lot of excitement. So I'm down with that. X-Pac Bronco busts his way through to the next round. Next up, another Degeneration X member who uh, moved on to much greater things. Uh, Triple H. Triple H at this time was Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And um, he was a two-time champion with a 160-day combined reign. Uh, an important fact is, one, he never actually won the title, barely. He, um, HBK laid down for him for him to take the title. And then he lost it without even being in the match. So a lot of weird shenanigans happened. Uh, something like him not showing up or something, something weird. And then he winds up losing the title because he didn't want to compete and then he beat owen for it for the second time so i thought with with that with the blue blood gimmick that they were going with at the time with with triple h that um it made sense for for him to have that title i think it worked with his you know his lineage and the things that they talked about but um and it it created a cool amount of heat you know within dx having both of them have titles uh what are your thoughts on early triple h well, I think, yeah, I think we're going to be sort of the antithesis of uh, Skip and Stephen A here because we're going to agree about a lot, but <laughs> which may make for terribly you know, uncompelling podcasting. I'm not sure. But I, I do agree. I think that you hit it on the head that when he was doing the, the Hunter Hearst Helmsley thing, it, the European title, um, the, the idea of his gimmick and that title both having this sort of quasi-refined um, Mystique, you know, they, they, they were really a good compliment to each other. I think most people forget even the the details of how he won or didn't win or lost or didn't lose because as much as he's the game, blah, 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 um, I think fans who, you know, go a little ways back definitely can conjure an image of him as a European champion. That was a big part of his early persona. So I'm, I'm all for it. Gotcha. I totally agree. So Triple H, does he move on? I mean, I actually am saying I think he would, but that's up to you. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I, I do believe with, with the association that Triple H should move on. All right. Going on to the next. Matt Hardy, one-time champion, but an impressive 125-day reign, had the second longest ever reign, and longest for an American wrestler, which I don't know if that means anything at all. But, um, again, this was a, a bit of a stepping stone and a launch pad for Matt. He had some really good feuds. Um, I was always a fan of Matt Hardy, so I'm a little torn, though, but what do you think? Eh. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, I, I, I don't think Matt Hardy has anything to uh, apologize for, you know, I, I, all the work he did you know, with his brother and then somehow resurrecting a, a um, somewhat memorable run as, you know, Matt Hardy 2.0, the whole deal. I don't think this was um, this was necessarily that significant to his story, even though it was a, for whatever reason, they, they opted to give him the belt for, for a significant amount of time. All right. 
Okay, sorry, Matt, you're gone. Go Next. fuck <laughs> Next up, uh, Eddie Guerrero. Now, Eddie was a two-time champion, and uh, this is what launched the Latino Heat gimmick, which he had been known best for in the WWE. Had an amazing 111-day run the first time, joined up with China, and uh, kind of the rest was history here. So um, I say he's a, he's a yes, the stone-cold lock. But um, what say you, sir? I think he is a master lock. Yes, no, I think he is, uh, is yeah, a, no, a no-doubter. Uh, and if nothing else, because I'd feel guilty for saying no when you're supposed to ultimately always, you know, be in, in uh, uh, discussing Eddie in terms of, you know, pay, uh, paying homage to his great <laughs> legacy and blah, blah, blah. So just so I don't offend anyone, you know, and don't disrespect the incredible and unimpeachable legacy of the man. Yes. Sounds good. All right. All right. So Eddie moves on. Next. Moves on. William Regal, who uh, had the title the most amount of times. He had four reigns, 179 days combined, brought some credibility, had some great matches. I personally am a huge fan of William Regal. But when I looked through it, he lost to a couple of suspect guys. He lost to Spike Dudley. He lost to Crash Holly. Now, um, again, William Regal is another guy I associate with that title. I think about Regal as a Euro champ, and that's kind of, I think, what it was built for, for guys like him. So uh, for that reason, I'd put him in and with me being a big fan. But those losses are a little bit uh, glaring. But uh, what do you think? You know, I, it was so part of his character at the time to be occasionally sort of um, enraged at being upset by a, a smaller, less uh, manly, you know, less, more diminutive, less manly competition. So that was that was just in keeping with his persona. And I think ultimately, prevailingly, he in some ways epitomizes what you would think the European champion is supposed to be. And that is also um, the tip of the iceberg of what he probably deserved during his WWE run. Um, so I, I think, you know, absolutely, I think uh, it's worth acknowledging that he was a fine, fine European champion. All right, Sir William Regal, we'll move on. All right, Shawn Michaels. Shawn mm. Michaels! Shawn Michaels! Shawn <laughs> uh, Michaels is a one-time champion with an 82-day reign. He is actually a part of the only European title match that main evented a pay-per-view. When he beat Bulldog, I talked about that. It was almost a riot. It was actually a lot of fun. So if you have the WWE Network, I would love to, you know, check that out, man. It was it was a fun match. Um, I, I'm going to say, and this might ruffle some feathers, but uh, I'm going to say Shawn Michaels doesn't belong in this list because, quite frankly, nobody thinks of him as a European champion. Nobody. So for this tournament... I would say no HBK, but what do you say? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's like um, quibbling over whether Destiny's Child gets in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as, a, you know, as opposed to just Beyonce. I mean, who, you know, Shawn Michaels is, is, is known for a myriad things. He doesn't necessarily need the added glory and glamour of, his, uh, of, his, of being commemorated for his brief run of the European title. Okay. okay. But does that mean... You can't win. I was watching an amazing interview with DJ Khaled, and I don't know if you saw this or you're familiar with Khaled's keys to success, but they're pretty life-changing, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Now, Khaled said, 
what do you stop giving me awards because I stop winning or because I keep winning and you're tired of me winning all the time? What do you think of that? If someone wins all the time, like a John Cena, how do you, how do you then decide to not give him the, the award? Like, for example, I, know, I don't know why I got into this, but John Cena's U.S. title run uh, where he was doing the Open Challenge. Yeah. Now, he was, doing, he was having a lot of great matches during these this time it was you were getting to see a lot of new talent i mean Sami Zayn, kevin owens cesaro like a lot of guys who deserve shots were getting really great matches in and cena was taking you know taking them to the limit so again do you continue to boo john cena because he's always winning or do you acknowledge hey pretty good i guess <laughs> i understand your point i just i i'm not trying to take any shine off Shawn Michaels, um, I just think this is, you know, there's plenty. There, 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 we need to sort of spread the love here, and there are people who have not been given a uh, a whiff of the recognition that he's gotten in his, in his career. And this is an opportunity for us to put that deserved spotlight on the likes of people like the next person on our list. Mm. The head shaking, frog splashing. Chess plate wearing uh, D'Lo Brown. Or the field. Now, um, oh, you just went low a little bit. Are you are you still there? I'm still here. Okay, something just got really low. What did you just say there? I said, you know, let's not forget that before the shield, D'Lo was rocking the chest armor stuff. <laughs> Precursor to the shield, yeah. D'Lo Brown. Now. I was a huge fan of D'Lo. Uh, I'll just say that I, I I marked out. I enjoyed D'Lo's antics in the ring, uh, just on the mic, just him yelling during a match. He's one of the first guys to do that, where you could just hear him clearly talking trash. I love that, you know. Just, Get your ass up, or let's go. And he's shaking his head and he's doing these crazy leg drop and points and all that. I loved his antics. Like, absolutely a big fan of D'Lo. Um, he had a good run. He had a really good run. He was a four-time champion, tied with William Regal for the most 140-day combined reign, first Eurocontinental champ, and had some great feuds with X-Pac, with Jeff Jarrett, and a bunch of others. And um, and he started the, being announced from a different European city. So they were like, now I'm residing in Manchester, England, or something like that every time he came out. And I thought that was amazing. Um, super entertaining and Quite frankly, the number one seed, in my opinion. But what say you, Kenny? I agree. I mean, you know, you could, you know, Xbox certainly. There's a case for him and Eddie Guerrero. But to me, D'Lo Brown uh, is synonymous with it because he not only did he take that belt to sort of new heights of uh, of notoriety and and towed that line between it being a, a bit of a um, a comic belt, but also actually a signifier of, of, of some success. He took his opportunity and made more than the most of it. That was a guy grabbing his brass ring. Ah, the brass ring. Right. Um, that was, that was Zillow making the most of that situation. And I have no doubt that they gave it to him four times over when they, for that reason, and I'm sure they initially thought, oh, maybe it will be a one-off for him, and they saw what he was able to do with it, um, and it's the kind of thing that probably couldn't happen now in the sort of scripted era, but 
Uh, I love D'Lo. He was the uh, sort of underdog heel that you kind of sort of just love to love. Absolutely. Man, he was great. He was great TV. It's kind of, I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about D'Lo, it's, I see a similarity with him and New Day. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're taking an opportunity, taking a, taking a gimmick, and then like making it your own and really taking over and like making the most of that, of that moment. So I look at it similarly. Uh, just both were like must watch, you know, situations. And, um, and to bring that to the European title division was, uh, was awesome. So, in my opinion, top guy. But uh, we got one more who could also be a top guy. British Bulldog. Now, the first ever European champion, two-time champion, with an amazing 253-day combined reign. There's some rumors that this title was created for him because of some broken promises backstage, which is something that could never happen, right? Nobody breaks promises backstage, right? Never make goods. No, everybody makes good on stuff. But um, rumor is that he was promised a world title run and they didn't give it to him. So I said, all right, we'll make you a belt. (laughs) And that sounds kind of ridiculous, but I don't know. So anyway, once he lost it, though, he left. He went to WCW. He was like, all right, you don't want me to be this guy, this champion? I'm out. Went to WCW, uh, came back with a tougher thing where he was wearing jeans. I don't know if you remember this really short Bulldog uh, return era where he came back in jeans. It was a lot tougher. Yeah, very um, uh, sort of tight, uh, small-waisted jeans. So it was (laughs) really um, not as tough as I think he uh, Rolled up at the ankles, I believe, too. Yeah, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, anyway, unfortunately, Bulldog is one of those guys who we lost way too young. Um, unfortunately, we have we have two guys on this list that that happened to. So, um, so not even bearing that in mind, this is bearing in mind his ring stuff and significance to the title. Does Bulldog make the cut? Well, that's right. See, I'm not going to get sentimental here. I, I mean, you know, notwithstanding uh, the, the terrible tragedy of from passing young, um, I. Yeah, I know it was it was important and seminal, and uh, but I, when I think of the European title, I think of it taking on its real identity after it had passed through his hands, even if it was intended for him. I view it as something much more, um, um, uh, much less compelling uh, when it was you know first kind of innovated for him. So personally, I say no. All right. Well, wow, that that is that might be our first disagreement, honestly. But um, oh. but it's all right. Guess this, you know, house rules. The guest gets the final say the first time since but Mathilda, first time Matilda guest. would go forward. What's that? Matilda would go forward. <laughs> <laughs> I love Matilda. All right. Wow. Okay. So for that reason, we're left with seven top guys. Um. I need to know who is the number one seed out of this group. We got D'Lo, we got Regal, we got Eddie, we got Triple H, X-Pac, and RVD. Who would be your number one a guy? D'Lo! All right. I have no problems with that. All right. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six guys in this tournament. D'Lo, number one seed. Who's your number two? X-Pac. X-Pac, all right. 
And who is your number three? Eddie. Eddie. Number Latino Heat. What's that? Latino Heat. Yes. And number four, who you got? This is just me. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to say Triple H. Okay. Euro Triple H. All right. Number five. William Regal. Ah, Sir Regal. And that leaves number six as RVD, Mr. Monday Night. All right. So we go top versus bottom. So D-Lo versus RVD. Who you got? Um, shoot. I'm sorry. I'm getting a. This is. I'm getting a message on my phone here that you can probably hear. Whoa! Uh, How does that even happen? Your phone just started talking. My phone just started talking. I can't get it to stop talking. That's okay. I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll edit it. It's not live. It's like SmackDown of podcasts. <laughs> See, now, yeah, if we were on a hard line, we would have avoided that. Um, no, I, uh, uh, sorry, that was my, my line. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so. All right, ready? Yep. Coming back. All right. Three, two, one. All right. We got D-Lo versus RVD. Who you got? I mean, I'll... RVD and his and his graffiti singlet are going to have to find another list to dwell on. <laughs> All right, they both do a frog splash, so I mean, you know, uh, that's true. A lot of them, a lot of the European champions do. That's sort of a weird. Phenomenon. Wow, I, that's that's crazy. I didn't even think about that connection. <laughs> All right, so we got D'Lo moving on. All right, next we got. Two versus five, which is X-Pac versus William Regal, which I think they might have actually gone at it a few times. And I'm thinking really the drama here is who's going to be the final two because we've already revealed that we agree on who the number one seed is. So how is anyone going to unseat him? Well, it's just a, I think it's a question of looking at that the person they're competing against and thinking if they could pull it off in an upset and right. if that's believable. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and Regal. Honestly, that's a tough call, but I, I gotta I gotta go with X Pac. All right. X Pac moves on in the tourney. Next, we got Eddie versus the game. Before yeah. he was the game. <laughs> um I'm gonna have to definitely uh Latino Heat. Ah, this is probably a match that wouldn't have gone down at the time because of Eddie being with China. And I think at that time they were keeping Triple H away from China because Triple H had the Stephanie thing going on. It gets very confusing and ironic when you have a European champion with China. There's a lot of intercontinental contradictions there. But yeah, go, go, moving on. International affair. So you're going with Eddie? It's an international incident. I'm going with Eddie. All right. So we are now down to three guys. And this would be an amazing triple threat match that I would pay good money to see. D'Lo Brown, X-Pac, Eddie Guerrero. Let's, let's run it triple threat style. So, who you got? Let's, I mean, let's think about how this would play out. Just, 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 just think about if these three guys were in the ring. Now, who you like more, just what would go down? This is Eddie in Latino Heat. This is X-Pac in 
DX and DLO in the nation. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, and that's that's a good point to contextualize it that way. I, I think uh, on the face of it, you would say Eddie would come out on top, you know, in terms of where he was at, that, at the time that he held, but in terms of uh, the kind of the quality, the caliber of performer he was, in terms of how you even would imagine it would be booked if it were to happen at the, at that time or at time some mystical time that doesn't exist where all three of them were in their prime as the European champ. Mm-hmm. I mean, D'Lo is the man. I think D'Lo is uh, my favorite European champ, the quintessential European champ. But objectively, I mean, Eddie would uh, Eddie would would stand tall. I have to agree. Uh, at this time, I think D'Lo was a heel. He was nation, but I think the nation was falling apart around that time. Um, I think it was him and Mark Henry teaming up for a bit, but that was kind of it. Farouk was with Bradshaw, so he didn't have a lot of guys watching his back. X-Pac had DX, but they were they were good guys at this time, I think during most of his European title reigns. So they weren't doing a lot of cheating. Eddie was the ultimate heel at this time uh, with China, completely just cheating for every match. The, you know, I think it was China helping out a whole lot. I think, hands down, Eddie would find some way to lie, cheat, and steal his way to win in this match yeah. if this went down today. So... That's my vote. Is Eddie your vote, too? Yeah, Eddie's my vote. Well, there it is. Uh, the winner of the first ever unofficial Matt Mania European title <laughs> tournament, mock tournament. Maybe I should create these guys on the WWE game, like the 2K16 or something, and then just like let them go at it and just see what happens. But um, I think it would be entertaining. I might just do that and accompany that with this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. No, I probably won't. But anyway, hey, you know, the unanimous winner of the tournament is Eddie Latino Heat Guerrero, and I'm not arguing with that at all. I think I think that's exactly how it would go down. I think that's how it'd be booked. And um, again, that's a match that I'd pay good money for. I would pay money <laughs> for it. Like money, you, not good money. You pay? I would, would you, like, would you like pay nine ninety nine? I give, yeah, yeah, right. I give, I'd give a voluntary donation, gas money. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I would. I would. I'd pay good money for this match. I just, just Josh and you, people forget how entertaining uh, and 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 um, and able all three of those guys were when they were doing their thing. Um, it's a shame that, of course, Eddie passed away and X Pac. Well, you know, became whatever X Pac is now, and mm. uh, and Dilo was relegated to a future uh, residency in Aces and Eights. So there you go. Uh. Uh. Sidebar, I actually met X-Pac at WrestleMania last year. And out of all the people I met, I met like Diamond Dallas Page. I met uh, Chris the New Day. I met Roman Reigns. I met Rusev. I met Roddy Roddy Piper, Scott Hall, a whole bunch of people. X-Pac was the only one who said no to a photo. Ah. So <laughs> I'm a little bit biased. Uh, that he would be the only guy. Like, come on, man. I thought you were going to go a different direction and say he was the nicest, which I, which would have surprised me. But I, <laughs> um, yeah, that he didn't want to take a photo. I mean, he is sort of vam- vampirish, so maybe that, that's why. Maybe, maybe. But uh, with that being what it was, um, yeah. I mean, I, I still appreciated what he did in the ring, and I wouldn't hold that against him personally. But that was messed up, X-Pac. So what you're saying is X-Pac is a dick. 
I think that's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> why would why would you do that? I'm anyway, or mouth, not mouth. Uh, yeah, that was you. That was you. He actually follows me on Twitter, which is awesome. We should probably talk about it in DMs sometime. But okay. um, I'm like, hey man, why did you take that picture? You're a dick. No. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, this is the end of the show. So I'm going to ask for some final words from you, and then I'm going to put you on the spot and ask for a song recommendation. Now, what I, what I do is song recommendation, and I didn't even prompt you for this at all, so I'll give you a little bit of time. It's usually a song that has some reference to wrestling. It doesn't have to be direct. It doesn't have to have a person's name, but it could. It could have a move name. I don't know. Some song where you heard somebody say something that reminded you of wrestling. That's it. Uh, before you do that, well, while you think about it, I'm just going to give some uh, extraneous talking. So I want to thank my Fido, uh, my guest, Kenny Herzog, writer, fan, and um, Eddie Guerrero stan. And, uh, and the rest of you for watching. I appreciate it and listening. Um, I will be on the road touring, so check my tour schedule. I'll be all over the place, megarain.com slash shows. And you, Kenny, where can the people get a hold of you? to read some of your stuff and uh, see your thoughts on the interwebs. Where are you? Yeah, um, well, they will not find me on tour because I don't tour behind any particular talent, but um, they will find me doing my weekly Monday Night Raw recaps at rollingstone.com as well as recaps of pay-per-views as well as future, um, you know, columns and, and, and features that just, you know, have to do with the topics of the day and also... Um, interviews and profiles that just this week I spent a couple hours drinking beers and hanging out with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin so I will exact dream <laughs> but you said what that's exactly the perfect response <laughs> so uh, I'll be posting uh, whatever that that's going to turn into a story and yeah and, and I write about a bunch of stuff so find me at Twitter at Kenny Herzog and <laughs> the song goes, I mean, the very first thing that comes to mind, just because it's the most recent song that's so prominently featured, kind of an incredible wrestling reference, mm -hmm. Danny Brown's Ric Flair reference on LP's song, Oh Hail No. Yes. So, that would be my suggestion. Oh, uh, that's a great pick. All right. So we're going into that. Thank you so much for Kenny Herzog and myself. You have tuned into another action-packed episode of Matt Mania. I'm live from the road. I'm in Oakland. And uh, I'll be hopefully in your town soon. Till then, keep your shoulders off the mat. It's Matt Mania. I'm out. Peace. Never notice when you talk, I just cut myself On some ultimate, fuck you, go fuck yourself Like that was so heartfelt, you really touched yourself I love the part where you cry, I like nothing else For me, every breath is a criminal Critical breach, bloody guns, beat, beat, minimalissimo Make you spin like you sniffing at God particle The purple cloak in the dusk, an odd article Originated decay, caterwaul of brand Dawn rising, holla man vibe gliding Shuffle through the tides of slime smiling Could be the higher, just mind control dying Fucking throw me on the problem pile I'm a grim for the garbage Stay parking Peeking out of my blinds in the apartment Waiting for the heart Get that archangel calling Pocket full of air plus nothing to wear I've been told I was put here to fail Never ask me to hell Never ask me to hell Never ask me to hell
Put that bishop in pie. Visible villain is vindicated by venomous vibes. Vicious concealing my mental illness by willing to smile. Always intentions to climb up Olympus in the sky. Brooklyn is up in this motherfucker, so suck on our God. Pocket full of air, plus nothing to wear. I've been told I was put here to fail. Never ask me to hell. Never ask me to hell. Never ask me to hell.